0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Gawaza, and for today we do get into, you know, quite an interesting discussion just around trusts and, uh, you know, just them as a, as a vehicle, you know, for either growing one's wealth, protecting that wealth, and just the practicalities just around them. We often hear about, you know, your trust funds and all of that, but what does it actually mean and, you know, how... Accessible um, Is a vehicle like that? And how do you set, um, you know, something like that up? If you've ever been interested in it, if you're trying to, um, you know, grow something for either your family, for your children or anything else, you know, what does it all entail? So that's the discussion that we're going to be having for today. Very, um, you know, fascinating topic. And I'm sure uh, that by the end of the session, we'll all be, you know, much better educated just around uh, what it all means the realities on the ground and then also at the same time uh, what it could mean for you um you know and uh, your wealth creation journey so to help us to unpack what all of this means and uh, how people can go about it uh, we are joined by uh, Matlodi uh, Letiane who is uh, the head of customer experience over at uh, FNB fiduciary uh, just to give us uh, you know some of those insights <laughs> Matlodi, greetings to you today.
1: Good morning. Mudeva,
0: um, how are you? No, 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 no. I live good, well, and thriving on this side. And thank you so much, uh, you know, for being with us. Um, I think a good place for us to start, um, you know, F&B, one of those names that uh, needs a little to no introduction um, in South Africa as, uh, you know, being one of the largest financial um, institutions, you know, that we have. Uh, but rather, you know, F&B fiduciary as a unit. What is it that you guys are doing there? and uh, you know what is it that you guys are up to
1: so at FB fiduciary the core service offering um is looking at you know what we typically term fiduciary solutions there we're talking about wills um drafting estate uh, rather trust drafting as well as deceased estate administration and trust administration um with trust administration we're talking about both the inter vivos trust that is trust created during the lifetime of the founder or testamentary trust, they were talking about trust that are created after the death of the founder. And those type of trust are created in the will of a person would have um, passed away.
0: So when we're now talking about, uh, you know, some of the services that you guys have, you know, as a, as a fiduciary service, um, you know, one of the things um, that's there is uh, people when it comes to housing, you know, some of their assets and, uh, you know, just, you know, finding ways and also vehicles uh, to have all this the stuff together is trusts. And uh, I think, you know, one of the definitions is an arrangement whereby a person who holds property uh, as its nominal owner for the good uh, of one or more beneficiaries. I remember learning about this a long time ago when I once did commercial law and it seemed a little bit complex, but me Maybe you could give us a little bit of insight uh, for someone who's never heard of what a trust is, you know, in simplistic terms, what it is. And I guess some of the reasons why uh, someone would want to have a trust in place.
1: So to start with, you are quite correct in saying that, you know, it is an arrangement where assets are held for the benefit of another. Um, and typically, you know, trusts are looked after or administered by trustees. trustee but you know let's start here you know a trust can be a, a very useful tool to anyone who wants to, to have an effective way of managing and protecting their long term assets like uh, properties and and investments um you know and you know i must also mention because i i suppose this is a bit of a um a misnomer in that people think that you know trust uh uh can only be considered by very wealthy individuals with the tax problems. But the way at FMB fiduciary that we're positioning trust is that trust is a vehicle for legacy creation, legacy planning, and legacy preservation vehicles where you as Moodi, where you're looking to actually make sure that you know your heart and cash and assets that you worked for over your entire lifetime is actually protected for the benefit of your loved ones and for generations to come.
0: So when we're talking about these trusts, we often hear the term trust fund and all that. Are these the specific, you know, arrangements that we're talking about when people refer to a trust fund?
1: So suppose the word trust fund, foundation, um, a trust are are terms that are used interchangeably, um, but. But they generally refer to the same thing where, you know, a trust, you know, in the same way that you earlier alluded to, you know, an arrangement where um, assets are held in this vehicle uh, for the benefit um, of certain individuals and the administration or the control of the of the trust assets vest in whom we call trustees.
0: And, uh, I think one of the more interesting things about, you know, some of these, uh, some of these trusts, like you said, it's, you know, on behalf of someone else. So someone might want to f- fully understand why. You would have a trust in place. Why not just, okay, let's say I am a parent and, uh, you know, I'm building wealth for the family. Why not just keep my money in a bank account? And then, you know, upon a certain day, who knows, my child's 16th birthday, or maybe my wife turns 50 or, you know, some other life event, I just, you do an EFT and I say, hey, I've been, I've been uh, building wealth. Here's 10 million rand. Here's an EFT. Here's your money. Why do we bother going through all these trusts?
1: Um, the answer can be looked at, at at various ways. You know, trust offers some protection. So, for instance, when we're talking about um, estate taxes, estate duty, um, when, you know, the minute one has transferred assets into a trust, um, because a trust does not die, um, you know, a, a trust will not pay estate duties and, uh, as an example. So you're actually minimizing the cost of estate duty in your personal estate when you transfer assets into a trust. Another one, uh, you know, one of the benefits for transferring um, assets into a trust is you are now creating a vehicle for, you know, the holding of the assets for a long time to come for your generations where the rights of vesting um, when they may enjoy certain benefits is restricted um, for the for their own protection so you know we look at a few other um, benefits as to you know why you would want to transfer assets into a trust as opposed to holding them in my bank account another one is you know, me holding assets in my own personal name um, could actually mean that you know, life happens, you know, you encounter financial problems, you know, your assets that you actually earmarking for the benefit of your family now become attached by your creditors. So, you know, trust offer long-term benefits, protection benefits um, along the lines of your saving on your estate due to other taxes. And you also typically are able to, to, to protect your assets from being attached by creditors in the event of you becoming insolvent.
0: Maybe one of the things that uh, people might benefit to understand my Claudie uh because i do understand at least uh from my rudimentary understanding from back in the day that um when you're talking about some of these protections uh the fact that uh you know a trust becomes a bit of a a separate legal entity i think you're alluding to it you know just now to say that a trust doesn't die um and all of that and i think maybe people might uh you know benefit from understanding you know how y- the fact that structures like that are separate from them and the fact that, you know, you do have, um there's a difference between how, you know, people and some of those entities are treated by the law.
1: So quite right in in saying that a trust is a separate legal entity, separate from my own assets as, as my clothing. So being a legal entity, we must mention that, you know, just like any other legal entity, you know, it will be protected. You know, it also has got certain obligation that it must also comply with. So, for instance, one of the um, obligations that that a trust must comply with is being registered uh, for tax. And as an example, um, so you you find that despite the fact that you know a trust is separate from my personal estate, um, you know, one a trust will still be liable for paying taxes, but. In, in terms of um it being a separate legal entity, um and it being separate from our own personal um estate per se you find that a trust, you know, in the event of insolvency, in the event of um, a divorce, if one is married, um, provided that uh, the trust was set for the right reasons and not to try to avoid um, your creators attaching your assets, you find that a trust protects you from insolvency. Um, Well, no, it does not protect you from insolvency, but the assets in the trust are actually protected from your creditors, In the event of a divorce, you might find that, you know, your spouse or former spouse will not be able to claim the assets that are in a trust simply by virtue of them being in a separate legal structure. So, you know, those are some high level benefits for setting setting up a trust, but when we look at the pure intent of setting up a trust, as you have mentioned, we position them typically for the purpose of preserving and protecting your long term assets for the benefit of your family, thereby creating generational wealth.
0: Um, and when it comes to that, uh, the generational wealth aspect and the type of things that people are, you know, using uh, trust for, um, I'm quite curious to maybe you know get a sense of the type of long-term assets that people are, you know, putting into trusts I've noted. And, you know, in my own life and experience, you know, I had an experience where one of my previous landlords, Actually, you know, the, the, the place I was staying, I noticed that, you know, rent would be paid into a family trust. And I sort of figured that, um, you know, that, uh, particular apartment I was staying in was, uh, was owned by, you know, this family trust. Um, uh, what are, you know, I guess the typical use cases that people have? What are some of the typical, um, ways in which people are using, uh, you know, trusts and the type of assets that they have in there?
1: So in terms of assets that are eligible or best housed in a trust, we call them um, growth assets. Um, You know, we're talking about assets that appreciate in value. So properties, your investments um cryptocurrencies is a new thing and you know one would even say yeah um cryptocurrency is something that because it's an investment that is going to appreciate in value, one can actually hold it in a trust but um we don't recommend to our customers that um Assets like your vehicles, your furniture, because those are items that will generally depreciate in value that, you know, we don't recommend to our customers that those uh, be housed in a trust, but a property, you know, you can expect that you know, the value of the property is going to increase. Um, Depending on the usage of the property, particularly if it's been rented out, you're going to earn income alongside the property appreciating in value. So that's a, a, you know, a good example of a property or an asset that should be and can be held in a trust. The same with your investments. You know, you are investing on some shares on the GSE. You're going to be receiving dividends. And over time, we know that investments like your endowment policies, unit trust, um, investing in shares, those should be increasing in value. So those are the ones that we um, recommend and advise our customers that they be held in a trust. But other assets, vehicles, as, as I've mentioned Um, your furniture no it's not really suitable because also the practical um, consideration like how does a trustee now begin to take control of something like a vehicle that might be used by a family member it becomes quite impractical for the trustee of a trust to keep control of such um, an asset
0: yeah that makes sense especially you know on the on the practicality side so having certain things that are at least more uh somewhat a little bit more affixed fixed in nature uh you know tends to i guess it tends to work um from that point of view given all the benefits that you've just given to us just around trusts, uh, their benefits, um, what people are typically using them for and how you guys advise for them to be used. How prevalent is the use of trusts in South Africa? One would imagine that given the benefits, everyone you know would have a trust, but um, something tells me um, that uh, there aren't that many people relative to the population that do actually do have trusts.
1: So you know, as I've mentioned earlier, that there was a time when trust were considered to be um, only useful to very wealthy individuals. Um, and part of the platform that you know we have is to try, or rather as part of, uh, because of the platform that we've got, we are intended to, to mystify the idea that trusts are only for wealthy people. So we found that in the past, um, it was generally wealthy people who used to ha- talk about trust and hence transfer babies, you know, suggesting that it's only rich people. But we find that, um, you know, even, you know, people who um, are not necessarily wealthy or would consider themselves to be wealthy um, are able to make use of um, vehicles like trust you know, to preserve, to, you know, to preserve, build, and and and, and preserve that generational worth for their families. So, you know, in FNB Fiducia, we were finding that, um, as we're talking more and more about this, and our customers are becoming very educated on the subject or topic of trust, that people are inquiring people are saying, you know, I actually want to set up a trust for my family. And they start, you know, engaging and planning conversations around how to use trust. Um, but we are definitely well on the way of trust becoming um, a vehicle that just about everybody can use to preserve and, and to grow the uh, generational wealth.
0: Uh, one certainly hopes that there will be a, a little bit more, um, prevalence being used, you know, for something like this. And especially if it's one of those things, um, that, that conversation around, um, generational wealth, I think it's, uh, you know, very important. And as long as more people, you know, are getting in on that, uh, then hopefully we'll see, you know, increased take up. Uh, but in that, I'm quite curious then to understand the level of education that people have around trusts. Yes, uh, there was that per- perception back in the day around them being for, you know, people, you know, in... uh I guess, uh, higher stations in society, if we're going to, you know, phrase it in that way. Uh, But now there's uh, this move towards making them uh, more, um, what do you call this, Uh, more accessible. But do people actually know and understand that this is um, an actual option that they do have when it comes to preserving their wealth?
1: You know, Madhu, I found that yes and no. So people would know that, you know, you can set up a trust but the benefits and the uses of it um, were not generally known. But now, because it becomes a topical conversations that, you know, the media, you know, the likes of yourselves are um, helping us engage in, I'm finding that it is no longer something that people used to think that it was only for the rich. People are asking questions, and because people are asking, that suggests that, People are now beginning to know more about that. But in terms of the technicalities, you know, the legal requirements for setting up a trust, we still find that we need to educate our customers, which is something that we are more than happy to do, even um, you know, education even for the beneficiaries of the trust. So you find that um, a mother or a father would have set up a trust for their children and they come on board and they're now having to experience what it is having their benefits or their enhancers held in a trust. And so as a result of this, um, we're having to educate not only the people who are setting up trust, but also their beneficiaries who are now coming on to enjoy the benefits of what mom and dad would have worked for. So, you know, simply in answering your questions, there was a time when uh, people did not know much about this, but now, We're starting to close that knowledge gap with um, podcasts like this, with the articles that we're putting out to say, hang on, this thing is not only for rich and for the famous. It's actually for an ordinary man who's got um, an an inheritance, wealth that they've worked for, that their family must benefit from.
0: It would be interesting just to see, you know, going forward, the types of conversations that, uh, you know, people do have um, when it comes to this issue of trust. And I say that um, against the backdrop of, you know, a lot of complexity. Um, And uh, when I say complexity, I'm talking about complexity that people feel um, when it comes to their relationship with money, um, how other people relate to money and the fact that money continues to be such a taboo topic um you know in our so in our in our society. Uh before you can even talk about you know trusts um you know families should be able to at least just talk about um you know money you know at the dinner table and financial issues and the like and I'm quite curious um once again many curiosities today because of this topic but um This one is more of a broader issue because, um, because of the, the issue of savings in South Africa. South Africa having that dubious, um, reputation of being a country more of spenders than savers, um, because this does work very well, as you said, as a tool for saving and, you know, wealth creation. Um, do you find that people are having more conversations, um, about money generally, or do you still think, um, that broadly in the society, people still have that very complex relationship when it comes to um, talking about money, Matlodi. Because before we can talk about the trusts, um, just having those simple conversations about money is important.
1: Uh, Mudewa, that's a very good question. Um, I think that we still shy away from talking about money, how to make money, how to keep money, how to make our money money work for us. I think the one thing that we're generally good at as a society is showing off our wealth. But talking about it, talking about investments, talking about savings, uh, making sure that people understand the benefits of delaying gratification. um, I found that's something that people don't easily want to talk about because we think that it is a complex issue. We don't fully understand the importance of if I've got um an event that I'm planning for or a goal that that I'm planning towards it actually helps that I start small um we don't find the benefit of um savings and 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 just generally saving um in in, in the country and I think it 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 would be wrong to say it's not because we don't have. Um, information is available I think the thing the issue or the challenge that we've got to um, get over is that you know people attach emotions to money which is okay I mean I wake up every day and I go to work but if I could just also understand that besides attaching emotions to money I must also think intellectually about my money how I want my money to grow for me what I want my money to do for me I think you found that we'll be having these conversations a lot more openly and people will actually be embracing the idea of saving saving for a rainy day saving for that day when the giza would burst at home instead of every time when i've got a an emergency actually i've got to go and um borrow money I, and and once you start detaching The subject of emotions from our money. And we start thinking intellectually about money. And I think then we'll see the, you know, this conversation becoming more of a daily occurrence. Like now you and I are talking about trust and savings. People will listen to this conversation and only when something else would they want to come back and listen to this recording. But it is very important that before we even start talking about trust and vehicles for protecting your assets, Let's start with the basics: savings, um, your money, any interest for you? Debt. What kind of debt is good, and what are, you know? What kind of debt is bad?
0: No, certainly, 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 very, you know, very important discussion. I like what you said about uh, you know switching um, people's mindsets around money from being uh, something that is emotive uh, to something that is intellectual. You know, it's 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 subtle. Um, you know, because of how, uh, of how fine that line is. Um, you know especially when you when you attach emotion to something like money, understandably so, but making that shift, I think it would really help us um, you know in a in a huge way you know so really thank you so much for that. but as we are rounding up the discussion then Matlodi, um, just your thoughts um, just around uh, one of the things I was thinking about uh, you know coming back to the trust uh, the, the 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 trust discussion is um, control. And I think, yeah, it's it's the control factor, you know. Um, if if let's say a trust is for the benefit of someone else, uh, coming back to the definition that you gave us earlier on, at what point, if ever, does the person that the trust is intended for actually take control of that trust? Do they ever have? Control over a trust, or does the trust continue to just work for them, and what they get is the benefit, and not necessarily control of that trust.
1: So, and I think therein lies the beauty of a trust: is that I, as a planner, or I, as a founder of the trust, can actually plan um, and agree with my trustees when my family would enjoy initially the benefits and at what point they are then become vested with the control of the trust assets. You know, generally we talk of um, uh, trust assets or, or, or benefits become invested in the beneficial asset in ages. For instance, uh, the founder would say, when my daughter turns 25, or when my daughter attains this degree, or when my daughter gets married. So that's when we talk about the issue of control. So for the time when the um, the condition on to which the beneficiary um, would would be entitled to having the control in their hands. For that time being, the trustees exercise control not for their benefit but for the benefit of the beneficiaries. And so, I think this is where we need to get it right to say. The control may vest in the trustees, but it is not for their own personal benefit, but for the benefit of the tr- of, of the beneficiaries. And even in excess, of their control they do it under the supervision of the master of the High Court. We've got some very advanced laws in this country that says I, as a trustee, must look after the assets for the benefit of the beneficiaries. And that talks to things like how, where do I invest? How do I invest? What kind of risk approach do I need to have in making sure that for the time that I'm having the control of the assets um, in my name as a trustee I'm actually doing the right thing I'm mindful of the risks that I'm touching with investing on the stock market investing in you know derivatives or whatever the case may be provided that I do so be mindful that the control that I have is for the benefit of the beneficiaries who must ultimately take control and enjoy the benefits of what was said for them.
0: So that's been it. Very fascinating uh, conversation just around, um, you know, the world of trusts, and uh, you know, more specifically, why um, it's it's a probably a good idea to to have them housing certain types of assets, particularly uh, more your fixed assets, your long term assets, or things that uh, you know, a person is going to um, uh, a person is hoping to grow their wealth with. Um, so very fascinating from that point of view, and also the. Legality uh, around the fact that this is a separate legal entity, uh, the fact that it can offer, you know, some of those protections um, in case of uh, certain life events, um, a divorce, um, you know, insolvency, that type of thing. And also at the same time, becoming a vehicle uh, for growing for growing wealth, particularly, uh, you know, parents looking to do something for the next generation, uh, that uh, seems to be a typical example, um, you know of what we're talking about and also at the same time how all of this fits into uh, the broader conversation around money and how saving an investment needs to be something that is spoken about so that people can actually engage with it and then over time you can actually have people um, taking up more trusts um, which is on the rise at the moment but it could be um, at a higher rate and dismantling uh, some of that thinking around who uh, these uh, uh, vehicles are for you know versus the fact that you know now it's way more accessible and the fact that more people should be uh taking advantage of um you know of all of these different options that are out there so thank you so much uh Matlody is the head of customer experience um over at fnb fiduciary Matlodi, thank you so much for being with us today
1: thank you mudiwa it was really a really pleasure talking to you about this very important topic This, this is, is Mudewa's Take. take.
0: Fascinating discussion just around uh, what's going on with with trusts and more particularly, you know, an extension of uh, this money conversation that we've been having uh, today. We're talking to FNB fiduciary, but last week now uh, we we're talking to Sunlam Trust, and it's quite interesting how um, a lot of these topics are similar in the sense that you have these tools, um, these vehicles, uh, these documents that people, um, you know, should ideally have in place where that's a will you know now we're talking about a trust and all of it would be helped um, if people just had better conversations um about uh, about money it's definitely something that i'm quite um i'm quite passionate about i think it's quite clear you know that this conversa- these conversations about money because you do see uh that certain communities around the world there are certain communities that are really good about Uh, talking about money introducing um, concepts of saving and investments early on into the into the family unit Um, kids are encouraged um, to start saving you know from a very early age kids understand uh, you know things like interest compound interest the value of savings from very very early on and then we wonder why certain groups of uh, uh, certain groups of people do better than others when it comes to uh, the issue of wealth creation it's because it's, um, you know, the healthy conversations are being had about these topics, um, you know, in certain communities. So we need to encourage a, a broader understanding of you know money and you know just having more and more of those conversations the fact that you have all of those different uh, policies uh, that uh, people have out there let's say in your corporates where people aren't allowed to talk about you know salaries and remuneration and all of that it's very it's very deliberating you know when it comes to something like this and in the same way it affects also the way that new entrants into the job market approach the job market because Um, in economics we talk about asymmetric information um, where one side of uh, a debate or one side of uh, you know of the negotiation has more information than the others and uh, that typically happens where an employer knows how much a role you know should be compensated but someone who's new to the job market knows nothing at all and you end up having people um, and we call it a salary negotiation and it's not a negotiation at all because one person has all the information and the person other person knows little to nothing they don't know how to benchmark themselves they don't know what's going on how to judge how to negotiate and all of that would be helped if people were having healthier um, conversations about uh, you know about the money but people still attach a lot of emotion to it people are still very secretive about it uh, people are still not um, you know talking about it and as long as that is the status quo then it's unlikely uh, that uh, we will have movement it's great um like what Matlodi is saying that uh people are you know becoming more and more curious about some of these structures uh people becoming more curious about how they can you know go about you know setting things like this up for themselves so it does show uh, that there are you know pockets where things like this are happening but we need more um, of this stuff to happen so that uh, we can have you know just healthier conversation about the money and also at the same time we create that wealth and we reduce um, you know some of the anxiety that people feel um, when it comes to money Pocket costs, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Muriel Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail, and this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So, for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning. <music>